This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Are we ready? <clears throat> it is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate your watching today. And in a special way, are we delighted to have those who may be watching today for the very first time. I want to invite you to stay tuned for the next little while as we will discuss a subject from the Bible. Today we want to thank those who watch every time we come on the air. We appreciate, appreciate that so very much. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be talking about Jesus. You know, in life we sometimes honor lots of people. Today we want to talk about honoring Jesus. Honoring Jesus. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize this course is absolutely free. We, it, we're not going to ask for uh, uh, you to send us a check. We're not going to ask you to go get your credit card so we can get your credit card number. We don't want that. We just want to send you this course absolutely free. And so we hope that you'll stay tuned so that you can learn more about the Bible course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from John the 5th chapter beginning with verse 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. That's reading from John chapter 5 verse 20 through verse 23. Now I want us to focus primarily upon verse 23, which teaches that all men should honor the Son, just like they honor the Father. And of those that honor not the Son, honor not the Father which hath sent Him. Now, I believe there are three things we learn from that verse. Number one, men should honor the Son. That's just as clear as it can be that we should honor the Son. Number two, we learn that to fail to honor the Son is to fail to honor the Father. 
If we don't honor the Son, we're not honoring the Father. And the third thing we learn is that to honor the Son is to honor the Father. Now the question then is, how do we honor Christ? Because when I honor Jesus Christ, I'm going to be honoring the Father as well. The first thing I would mention is that we honor the, the Son by making the good confession. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse number 12, Paul writes about that good confession. He says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Peter made that good confession. What is that good confession? Found in Matthew 16 and verse 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In John the 20th chapter, verses 30 and 31, John wrote many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life in His name. You see, we are to believe in Jesus. And we ought to be willing to make that good confession that He is the Christ, the Son of God. In the 8th chapter of Acts, it was Philip who came to the chariot side of the man from Ethiopia. And in Acts chapter 8, we learn in verse 35 that he preached unto him Jesus. And as he preached unto him about Jesus... The text says they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made that good confession. To fail to confess Jesus is to dishonor Him. In Matthew the 10th chapter, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. There are many people who would not confess Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. But I would remind you, the Bible teaches in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11, as well as in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, that the day is indeed coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How do we honor Jesus Christ? We honor Jesus Christ by confessing Him to be the Son of the living God. But we also honor Jesus in Bible baptism. Someone says, Brother Lambert, I don't understand why you 
talk about baptism on your television program. It's in order to honor Jesus and to preach the full counsel of God. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in the 28th chapter of Matthew, in verse 19 Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus taught that we're to go teach all nations, and we're to baptize those that are taught in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Actually, there are six baptisms that are mentioned in the Bible. Maybe you're not aware of that. There are six baptisms mentioned in the Bible. First of all, there is the baptism of Moses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 2. There the Bible says they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now this goes back to the time when the children of Israel were coming out of the land of Egypt and they were crossing the Red Sea. There were walls of water to the side of them. There was a cloud over their heads. So they were surrounded by water. That's referred to as being baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Moses was leading them. The baptism of Moses. Then there's the baptism of John. In John, the, uh, uh, the uh, Matthew, rather, the, the third chapter, verses 10 through 12. And now the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you, this is John speak, I, with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John baptized with water unto repentance for the remission of sins. So there was John's baptism. Then there was a baptism of suffering. In Matthew, the 20th chapter, Jesus Christ is talking to his disciples on the occasion when they were having a discussion about who was the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said, He that will be the greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. But I find Jesus' comments in verses 22 and 23 rather interesting. Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. They were wanting positions of greatness in the kingdom. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? They said unto him, We're able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it hath been prepared to my Father. There was a baptism of suffering, meaning that Jesus was going to be overwhelmed in suffering. And also there is the baptism of fire. In Matthew, the third chapter, verses 11 and 12, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. 
he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bible teaches there's a fire baptism. Well, I have to agree with that. A lady came to me one time after I'd preached. She was a visitor where I was preaching in a revival, and she said, Preacher, this church needs the baptism of fire. Well, I disagree because the baptism of fire in Matthew, the third chapter, is not the kind we want. Continue to read, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The fire that he's talking about is unquenchable fire. You see, the Lord, there was a mixed audience being addressed on this occasion. Some would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some would be baptized with fire. That is, they'd be lost. And there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are only two recorded examples of it in all of the New Testament. One is the day of Pentecost when the apostles were uh, endowed with the Holy Spirit which gave them certain powers to perform miracles, speak languages they had never studied and the like, referred to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 as being the signs of an apostle. And then another instance is in the 10th chapter of Acts at the house of Cornelius, where they received the like gift that was at the beginning, that is, when the church had its beginning in Acts chapter 2. And on that occasion, the purpose of Cornelius and his household being baptized with the Holy Spirit was to convince the Jews that the Gentiles had a right to the gospel as well as did them. And then also there's the baptism of the Great Commission. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul said, There is one baptism. Well, what is that one baptism? It's the baptism of the Great Commission where Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the baptism of the Great Commission. Someone says, isn't that the baptism of the Spirit? Isn't it Spirit baptism? It's the same kind of baptism that was administered at the household of Cornelius after they were taught the gospel. In Acts chapter 10, verses 47 and 48, the Bible reads like this, Can any man forbid water. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized. You see, baptism is a command of God. And it has to do with our doing God's divine will. So there are different baptisms in the Bible. There's the baptism of the Great Commission. But the importance of baptism, it can be seen in the fact that our Lord Himself submitted to baptism. I call your attention to a passage in the third chapter of Matthew's Gospel. This would be verses 14 and 15. Uh, John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, 
went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Well, even Jesus was baptized. He was not baptized because he was a sinner. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Because it's something that God had commanded. It's referred to as being God's counsel in Luke chapter 7 and verse 30. What does it mean to fulfill all righteousness? And what is righteousness? Well, in Psalms chapter 119 and in verse number 172, we're told that all thy commandments are righteousness. Everything that God has commanded is involved in our being righteous. So Jesus submitted to baptism not because he was sinner, but because there was a command of God to be baptized at the hands of John, and Jesus, being perfect, did not want to break a command of God. We ought to be see, see the importance of baptism in that Jesus commanded it. Listen to him again. Go you therefore and teach all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism is a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in the book of Romans, in the sixth chapter, Paul talks about that beautiful picture in verses 3 and 4. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death, Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So I repeat again, we honor Jesus in Bible baptism. But we also honor Jesus when we observe and partake of the Lord's Supper. In Luke, the 22nd chapter and verse 19, Jesus, when he instituted this supper, said, This do in remembrance of me. And the early church observed the Lord's Supper. In Acts, the 2nd chapter and verse 42, the Bible says, and, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So they were breaking bread together, observing the supper of the Lord. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, read it apart on the morrow. And now Paul wrote about this supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, 
And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now listen to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So the early church observed the Lord's Supper, and there was a purpose for it. First of all, it was to be a memorial. Listen, Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. We do that to Remember Jesus. It is also done as a proclamation. We do show forth the Lord's death until He comes. We have an appointment every Lord's day to gather around the table of the Lord to partake of the Lord's Supper. And in so doing, we honor Jesus Christ. But we also honor Christ by wearing the name Christian. The disciples were called Christians. First at Antioch, Acts eleven twenty six. You say, well, why do we call ourselves Christian? Well, you know, the name Christian has embodied in it the name of Christ. And the church belongs to Christ. He said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. And, in, and Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write in Acts chapter 20, 28. Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which hath purchased with his own blood. So think about it. Now the church belongs to Jesus. He bought it. He said, I'll build my church. It belongs to him by right of possession, about it by right of purchase, uh, purchasing the church. Now, the relationship that exists between Christ and the church is that of a husband-wife relationship. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 2, Paul said, I am jealous over you after a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you unto one, he- uh, unto one husband, that is, unto Jesus Christ. And so we wear the name of the Lord. The name Christian actually is a patronymic name. It means to be formed after one's founder or father. When we wear the name of Christ, when we say, I am a Christian, that is to suggest to others that I am a follower of Christ and that I'm trying to live like Jesus Christ. It is a a big responsibility to wear the name Christian. The world expects more of us when we say, I am a Christian. They expect us to be be more like Jesus every day of our lives. We, We honor Jesus when we wear the name 
Christian. But we honor Jesus by fashioning ourselves after the New Testament pattern. When the tabernacle was built in the Old Testament, Moses had to follow a pattern that had been given to him when he was on Mount Sinai. Paul in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5 says, See that you do all things according to the pattern. And we're not to deviate from God's pattern today. We, we imperil ourselves when we do so. We need in the days in which we live to make a clarion call for the restoration of the New Testament church. And the only way that we can restore New Testament Christianity in the 21st century is by following the pattern that has been given unto us. Someone says, well, where's the pattern? The pattern is in the Bible. We need to go back to the Bible and to speak as it speaks, to be silent as it is silent, to always be sure that whatever we do can be, can be backed up with the Scripture. 1 Peter 4 and 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. But also we honor Jesus Christ by becoming Christians in the God-appointed way. Well, what is the God-appointed way? Well, we must first of all hear the gospel. We must hear it. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, and, and hearing comes by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Logically, therefore... We must hear the gospel and then we become believers of the gospel. In the 16th chapter of Acts, when the man asked, What must I do to be saved? He was told to believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved. And they preached the word to him. And the reason they preached the word is because it takes the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word of God, to produce faith in our hearts. And then we are to repent of our sins. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere, regardless of where we are or who we are, to repent. Then, if we become a Christian in the God-appointed way, we not only hear the gospel and believe it, we not only repent of our sins, which means to turn away from our sins, we are to confess faith in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God of the living God, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And then we're to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-7000. 
5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>